You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Wisconsin Badgers 70-60 to in the Big Ten Tournament, ending any fleeting hopes that Indiana had of getting into the NCAA Tournament with a big run in the Big Ten Tournament, much like 2015 uh, in the Big Ten Tournament, Indiana had a great opening game and then followed it up with a bit of a whimper of a game, uh, as in that season they lost to Maryland. This year they lose to Wisconsin. And really, if you've watched any Indiana-Wisconsin game over the last two decades, you've pretty much watched them all. And tonight's game followed pretty much the exact same script. And, and what we see from this Indiana-Wisconsin series over and over again for the past 10 years is Wisconsin just controlling the tempo, seeming to toy with Indiana at times, and every time Indiana makes a little run, seems to have a little bit of momentum, Wisconsin makes a play and keeps Indiana at arm's length, and the Hoosiers are unable to get over the hump and get the win. We will break down this game for you tonight and also look ahead to the future on this episode of The Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips to talk about all about all of that and more. Let's start where we always do, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And I know that you know in a game like this where the season ends in such disappointingly predictable fashion, no one really wants to focus on the positives right now. But I thought there was one positive that really stood out to me, especially as you look toward the future of Indiana basketball. And that's the play of Jawan Morgan, who I think once again showed just how good of a player he can be when healthy. And he finished the game with 14 points. He had seven rebounds, had a couple of blocks. And, you know, look, this was a very disappointing game, but there was that last gasp there in the second half by Indiana. It felt like the game was over, but the Hoosiers were actually able to cut it to four. And one of the big plays that Indiana made is after Bronson Koenig drained a wide-open three uh, that looked like it was going to be the dagger. With the score 64-55, to Jawan Morgan had a beautiful drive, uh, got uh, fouled. Uh, he got fouled. He scored on the play. He, he did miss the free throw. But it was yet another example of Jawan's varied game and the different things that he can do. You know, he made a three-pointer tonight, had that drive, really made some important plays for Indiana at key points in the game. Now, obviously, you know, uh, soon thereafter, uh, James Blackman Jr. was able to hit a three, but then Robert Johnson uh, ended any hopes of a comeback uh, with the turnover coming after Bronson Koenig took Josh Newkirk to school uh, and drove to the basket. And so that ended any hopes Indiana had. But I thought, once again, it was a good showing for Juwan Morgan, and it prompted me to tweet at, at one point there late in the game a prediction that he will be a second or third team All-Big Ten player next year, health willing. Obviously, that's always the big question with him, but we've seen now since he's gotten healthy the kind of player he can be. Uh, and in certainly a Big Ten season that was full of disappointment for Indiana, as you look toward the future, the guys who are going to be here, who are going to be building blocks for the future, Jawan was the most consistent of those players and showed the flashes that have everybody excited about his potential moving forward as a Hoosier. 
Uh, well, tonight's Banner Moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you'll receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's not just the regular Hoosier Proud gear, all their really cool Indiana State t-shirt designs, but also our assembly call gear, which is sold there through Hoosier Proud. Uh, the t-shirts, the zip hoodies, all of that is there. Use the promo code assembly and you get 15% off everything, your entire order at HoosierProud.com. All righty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, we will let Ryan continue to stew because he has a great rant coming up and we'll go over to Andy Bottoms and get his Bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, when the lead ballooned to, I think it was 15, I, I tweeted out what I think best sums it up. Last night showed what this IU team could be and tonight showed what it was. Um, because everything that made this team frustrating to watch over the course of the season was on display. You didn't see the same intensity defensively. You didn't see just understanding the scouting report. How many times was Bronson Koenig left wide open uh, from three and, and guys you know, doubling, not, not getting back in time? How many silly turnovers did you see? Uh, lack of ball and player movement on offense uh, where things just got stagnant. I mean, this was everything that we have seen so far this year, and, and last night was everything that they could have been. And I think, I, I don't know how to say it any better than that because um, you, you just had so many of the same storylines, struggles, uh, whatever you want to say. The, the stars had to be stars for this team and, and Thomas Bryant uh, did not play well in this game. Ended up 0 for 4 with two points, uh, four fouls, three rebounds, and three turnovers. And uh, he and Deron Davis you know, combined to go one of 10 from the floor. And in a game uh, against a guy like Ethan Happ, that's not going to be anywhere close to to being what you need to do. And um, defensively, was were liabilities. And quite honestly, thought Crean was uh, smart to go to the the lineup that had Juwan Morgan at the five, but was probably late in doing so um, because I, I just, you know, the, the, those guys couldn't guard anybody uh, out there, and they were unable to make adjustments with how Wisconsin was attacking them. And and I think that was the same thing that you saw in the offensive end, where I was just unable to make uh, adjustments that that got them shots. And uh, you know, they made that little run at the end, and as soon as they cut it to four, then it's a straight line drive to the basket and a stupid turnover on a lazy pass on a dribble handoff. It, it, there was no more fitting sequence than that where they tempted you with this, you know, run to cut it to four and then just two of the same things that have plagued him over the course of the season uh, drove the final nail in the coffin. Well said, Andy. All right, let's get Ryan's rant brought to us by the big lead.com. You know, I'm just, I, I, I hate saying this, but I'm, I'm really glad the regular season's over. I just am. I mean, I mean, you know, there's the the NIT likely or who knows, maybe even not coming up. Now, we already this, said we're going to play in it, so I'm assuming we'll be there. Well, no, I just, I mean, whether or not we get an invite, I assume we do. Uh, um, you know, I, I look, I'm not taking for anything for granted at this point. Uh, but it's just this team is so frustrating because, like Andy said, yesterday showed what they could be, and today showed what they are. And it's just a complete lack of communication, understanding, uh, you know, headiness, basketball IQ, whatever you want to call it. They just are out of it on the floor. And how many times did they leave Wisconsin's shooters wide open for threes? How many times? I lost count. I was trying to count early on. 
I honestly, I'm a college graduate and I don't think I can count that high. It, it was ridiculous. And yes, I am a college graduate. It's right there. Um, I know some people certainly were going to question that. Uh, look, we look, we can't read that well enough to know yeah. for sure that that's. Can yours. you describe or it for the people listening on radio, please? Or a or a reasonable facsimile. <laughs> don't throw me off track. Uh, no, I just it's just it's the same problems over and over. Before we went on air, I told you guys like I I don't I almost don't want to break this game down piece by piece because quite frankly. You could rerun, and I've said this several times, you could rerun three of our past shows and get the exact same answer, what the problems were and what went wrong and, and who wasn't playing well and who wasn't defending well. And, and you know, I mean, it's, it's the same story a different day of the week. And, and it's at some point when you keep repeating the same mistakes, you either have to get better and improve as a team and come together and improve as a team, or you're just not good. And these guys are talented players these are good basketball players who are not a good team they just aren't and that's on the coaches that's on the internal leadership structure that's on the the people at the head of the program for letting it get this way and it's time for something else it just is it's it's uh, you know i've been a guy who for a long time was very supportive of let these guys figure it out let this work and it's not working and it's it's the same stuff every game every week every year it's the same problems that are not getting fixed and at some point you have to step back and look at it and stop talking about oh well they lost this guy to injury well this happened well this yeah all of that stuff makes it harder but when you're having the same issues every year then yeah something needs to change and and it and and uh tom crean is a heck of a nice guy and he certainly tried his hardest at IU. I just think this needs to be the end. This is the, I can't come on this postgame show and talk about how turnovers and stupid defense and you know a lack of awareness, leaving a guy who's shooting 40% from three wide open in the corner while you're double teaming a, a, you know, a guy who's not that great. I mean, it just things like that should not happen this late in the season. If it happens in November or, or December, you get it. But at this point, there's a Big Ten tournament, and, and, and you're leaving that guy wide open. It's not like you've never played Wisconsin before. You know who the good shooters are. You know who you have to not leave to double. You know that if you over-rotate and leave Ethan Happ wide open under the hoop, they're going to find him. I mean, it's it's simple basketball stuff that just doesn't get done consistently, and it's the same mistakes over and over and over again. And there are some guys on this team whose futures I'm excited about, but man, I, I can't get excited about it if there isn't some kind of ch massive change. And it's hard to even really look too far into the future, given the uncertainty and, and given all the things that could change this offseason. Um, and obviously, we should spend some time talking about that tonight. But before that, what do you guys think? Go player by player, give some analysis of this game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, super. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna go clean my apartment <laughs> while you guys do rhetorical that. question. Hey. No, really. But but for folks who want analysis of IU Wisconsin, uh, we've been doing this show since 2011. We've got what 12 or 13 of these things in the archive. I mean, you can just go pick pretty much any IU Wisconsin game except for the ones that we won, and really even those because some of those weren't the greatest of performances. Go listen to one of those, and you can get pretty much the exact same analysis uh, that you would get. 
Uh, and, and we will talk about some of, of what happened in the game as we go forward here. But let's linger for a little bit, Ryan, you know, about some of the topics that you brought up. And let's cover that here uh, coming up on the assembly call. Before we do that real quick, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that, but SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell NIT tickets, and that could unfortunately be very important for IU fans here coming up. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best, best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off of their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly. A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. All right, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips on this requiem for a deflating Big Ten season episode of the Assembly Call as the Hoosiers fall to Wisconsin, ending any hopes of a Big Ten tournament run. Uh... That sentence itself sounds ridiculous because any of us who had hopes of a Big Ten tournament run, we were just being irrational and desperately trying to talk ourselves into it. I think and you should course, have that. We, we all know who is leading that train. Which, that should <laughs> impact your your uh, bold predictions record, which was already in the tank along with me. But My, uh, my bold predictions record has been awful this year. It's not just let, let's not even go there. Um, so let's talk real quick, guys, because I saw a comment in our chat. And I think it's important, you know, um, I don't remember who said it, but it was the basic idea was, you know, at this time last year, everyone was on board with Crean and who can we really get that might be better? And I think this is an important conversation because I've seen some level of that sentiment a lot over the past few weeks. And I think, you know, we've all, I think, again, you know, we've been criticized at times over the last six years for being too pro Crean and too much, you know, too apologetic for Tom Crean. And what I would say to that commenter is that obviously after the last two months of last year, people were excited about the, the, the direction the program was going and felt like something significant had changed to allow that season to turn around as it had. But it was only a few months prior against Duke that pretty much everyone was off the Korean bandwagon. And it took that huge monumental shift to get people back. And so, you know, he won Big Ten Coach of the Year, won the Big, the Big Ten title. That was huge. Everybody was feeling good. But there was a contingency with that enthusiasm. And it was that the, the, the shift that we saw during the second half of last season continued into this season. Because if it didn't, and if Indiana reverted to how they played in 2014 and 2015, we were basically right back where we were before the Duke game. And that is what has happened this year. And look, I don't, we don't have enough time in this episode to get into you know potential replacements and all of that stuff. That's a topic for another show going name I by name. Well. <laughs> but 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 the point is, you know, there are plenty of options that could be worth trying because the, the I think what we've come to realize, and this is what I want to get your guys' thoughts on, is you know, I saw there was a heckler that that yelled at Tom Crean coming off the court and said something ridiculous like you ruined the program. And that's ridiculous. Tom Crean rebuilt the program from the rubble, and he should be commended for that. And he's done a good job at Indiana. The question is, do you still believe Indiana basketball can be great? 
And if the answer is yes, you can't look at the last four years and say that Indiana has been great or is on track to be great. So you either continue doing the same thing and expecting different results, or you make a change and say, this has been a, this was a good experiment. This was worthwhile. There were some good times, but it's time for a change to see if a new direction can bring different results. And I think that's where at least the majority of Indiana fans that I interact with are at. That's certainly where I'm at. Ryan, I think we know your thoughts on it. Andy, where do you kind of fall with that now that we can sit here at the end of Big Ten play and assess everything? Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I, I think something needs to change. I, I think you have to wonder to yourself whether is anything you've seen over the past, p- pick a time period, right? Does anything there suggest that things are going to to get substantially better than what they've already been? And I would say no. And I think one thing that I found interesting, and I, I don't know if, either of you are, have been listening to this, but uh, Evan Daniels started a, a, from Fox Sports started a podcast this year, and he's had a lot of coaches on uh, over the course of the season. And I don't bring these names up, um, be, even though I know, I think all of them have probably been mentioned at some point in, uh, you know, in IU coaching searches. But in, in recent weeks, he's had on Archie Miller, he's had on Chris Mack, he's had on Chris Holtman. And, and, and you really walk away from some of those. And some of this is really, you know, kind of handed down. Mac talked about this at Xavier. I think Holtman mentioned some of the same things for Butler where, you know, things are almost kind of handed down in terms of here's how we run this program and here's how we do things. Uh, and here's what we're all about and here's what we stand for. And, and those kinds of things, like if you ask somebody that question today of what does IU stand for as a program, as a coaching staff, as a whatever, I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, don't commit recruiting violations. Well, okay. I mean, that's good. That's, yeah. that's one of them, honestly, but just some of the other things. And it's like, it, it, you know, I, and you can see from some of these guys that those things mean something and they find guys that they say, look, if the, if you can't follow these things and these aren't important to you, then you're not going to be able to, to get by here. Um, you, you know, Holtman talked about that when looking at, you know, fifth year seniors and, and some of the guys that they've, uh, like grad transfers that they've had, they're like, it's not for everybody. You have to understand what needs to happen and who's really going to fit in and things like that. And I, um, when I look at it in that lens, uh, programs that are going somewhere or don't experience the same wild fluctuations that I feel like IU has, there's that foundation of here's what we are, here's what we stand for. And IU may have those things and Crean may have those things and believe in those things, but I don't know what those are. And I couldn't point them out as somebody who watches and talks about every game of every year for the past six seasons. No, the, the bad thing is some of those things are bad. You know, you would say turnovers and some of those things that have been consistent. Look, we know that we are. I, I assume I those are things that are not positively right. reinforced. Those, I mean, so. No, I know. Wait, I know you don't not, bring that on a recruiting look, visit? Hey, have you seen guys, our turnover rate? <laughs> guys, guys, we're going to stand for poor communication on defense, ignoring shooters. I, 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 would, I would say the one thing that we've stood for for the past, you know, five, six years, really, you know, on offense to a certain extent is, is what we mentioned last night, Andy, which is, you know, where Indiana scored from three, you know, they made buckets in the paint, hit free throws, you know, not a, a team that plays efficient offensive basketball outside of all the turnovers and the poor half-court possessions where they don't do anything. I mean, they they pitch player development. They pitch academics. That's that's what they've tried to build it on. I'm not sure that uh, the rest of the world would see it that way, though. Uh, I think that that's what Indiana has pitched. And that's how it's been promoted. And, exactly. And there have no, been some players who have... Pitch, you know, I yeah. mean, that, yeah. And there have um, been some players promoted, but has that impacted team development? You know, I have talked about that before. I think that that's a question that's impossible to answer. Uh, what I will yeah. say is, um, you know, if people... <sighs> 
it's just you look at two years ago, look at three years ago. All the problems those teams had are the same problems this team had. Last year was clearly an outlier where there was a lot of leadership at the top and guys played very well. And it's perfectly acceptable to consider Tom Crean the guy who got you to the guy that improved things. If you look at where this program was, and that's happened in sports before, you need someone to build the foundation and you need someone to get things stable again. And, and quite frankly, Indiana right now is a stable program. It's just not stable where we want it to be, but it's not a tire fire. I mean, you know, we're complaining because we expect greatness, not because this is a complete disaster that is ruining the university or something, or the reputation of the university or something like that. So let's let's realize what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a program that is falling short of expectations on a consistent basis, but it's not in a dumpster. So let's remember that Tom Crean built that foundation and, and he has done a nice job doing that. And it's perfectly acceptable for there to be two different guys that can take you from the place you were at to where you want to be. It may not be one guy who can rebuild the whole thing. Some great coaches are terrible at rebuilds. We've seen that throughout history. And some guys who are great at rebuilds never take you to a championship. So it, it's fine. If you look at this situation as, you know what? We gave Tom Crean nine years. He did a nice job getting the program back from where it was, which was a horrible place we all remember. And I think I think we're too close, too soon to forget where it was. Um, and you know what? He put a lot of effort into that and a lot of work into that to building it up to a credible program where top-level kids wanted to come here. Um, but now it's time for somebody else to come in and, and, and take the next step. That's my stance. It's not that Creed's awful, get rid of him. It's that he's never going to consistently reach the heights that Indiana wants to reach. And, and it, that's pretty apparent right now. In an off year, you should still be able to be a threat to certain things at a program uh, at, at Indiana. You should be a threat to the Big Ten. You should be a threat to reach the Sweet 16. You shouldn't, an off year shouldn't be a disaster. And, and, and that's not because that's not living up to the standard of Indiana basketball and, and your good years shouldn't be just reaching the sweet 16. It, it should be challenging for a national championship. And so I just think we're not consistently getting the greatness that we all expect all Indiana fans expect. And, and, and Crean has done some very good things. Uh, the academic record, all of that stuff is huge and it belongs in Indiana basketball and it shouldn't be forgotten. Uh, he should be thanked for his service, but I just think it's time for somebody else to come in and try and take this to the next level because we're not getting there. Indiana's not getting there right now. No, and and like I said, I mean, you can keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. We've seen it now. You know, I think we all thought, okay, 2012, 2013, we've reached this point. We're going to stay here, and then look at the four years since. You know, and that's the problem. Is that seems to be more what Indiana basketball is, and so it's hard to have legitimate hope. When, you know, that's what you've seen for the last the last three, four years. So, all right, before we go too far down this road and we'll get back to it, is there anything else from this game that we want to discuss before we before we leave it completely? I mean, I think, you know, obviously we talked about Morgan a little bit off the top there. I thought Devontae Green had a few nice minutes in the second half. Um, Robert Johnson, I thought, showed some crazy irrational confidence early in the game, and it led to some nice makes, but then some really poor decisions. But I thought he settled in a little bit at the start of the second half. 
But, you know, again, it's pretty much the same IU-Wisconsin game we've seen. Andy, anything else jump out to you notable from the game itself before we kind of move on from it for good? Uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, I did want to, you know, touch on some of the guys that you mentioned because I, I do think, um, you know, Juwan Morgan, I think, is a guy we can even circle back to later if we want. But I, I thought he played really well. And, and again, as we've talked about in, in recent weeks, you've started to see him get healthy and you started to see what he can really be. Uh, I thought he did a really good job defensively on Hap and, uh, quite honestly, like I said, you know, going to him as the center uh, at that point to me was uh, was overdue, uh, I think, in some ways. I mean, Hap had three turnovers. He did make seven and nine from the floor, but I, I thought Morgan did by far the best job of anybody on him uh, and, and I think showed his versatility defensively, really made some effort plays uh, in a game where IU got beat to a lot of the loose balls that they uh, they were first to the other night. And, and I really thought Devontae Green uh, in stretches played played well, uh, had a couple you know, freshman moments and possessions, you know, tried to throw kind of a cross court pass that got, you know, telegraphed and got picked off, took the one shot where he dribbled forever and tried to, you know, step back on, on Nigel Hayes at a key moment in the game, uh, it, which were kind of uncharacteristic, which was uncharacteristic for me of how he had played uh, for most of the season, but hit a couple of big threes, got fouled on the other one and, and went to the line. So, uh, you know, I think as you start to spin forward and figure out, you know, what this team might look like uh, next season, you know, those two guys are certainly big parts of it. And I, I thought, you know, Jerron Davis really struggled. I think they just couldn't figure out what to do with him defensively. And, and are, you can make the same argument about Thomas Bryant, quite frankly. They uh, don't move quick enough to guard uh, to guard Hap, don't really move quick enough to guard Hayes. And when Vito Brown wasn't in the game, there was really no place to hide either one of them defensively. Yeah, I thought actually Curtis Jones, I mean, he made a really boneheaded turnover, but I thought he had that gorgeous pass to Morgan on an alley-oop um, and, and just looked confident again. I, he didn't play much, but he he looked confident when he was out there. So I thought that was a positive sign. I agree with you on Devontae Green. I thought he played, when he was in the game, I thought he was the best guard in the game for certain for some stretches um again just the confidence the def the willingness defensively uh obviously he made some freshman mistakes stuff he's gonna have to clean up um but you know uh, the fact that your freshman guards are the ones who are instilling the most confidence late in the season is really sad i mean james blackman i i thought he he had 17 points to lead the team, and he actually didn't have a turnover, which shocked me because I thought he was really loose with the ball sometimes. I guess none of them resulted in a turnover, but I, I just thought he, defensively he was just a swinging gate. I mean, it was just so bad all game. And then he just, you know, he, he was helping off the wrong guy, recovering to the wrong guy. I mean, it was just a, a, a mess from top to bottom. Josh Newkirk, God love him. Uh, he tried. He was working his, his tail off, and he just – you know, didn't have a good game. So, I mean, I think we've run down pretty much everybody there. Uh, so all the, all you people who wanted this to be uh, a breakdown of that game, you've suckered me into it. Uh, something I really didn't want to do, but I, you know, I just think that as you look forward, I, I, I agree. I think Davis and green are the guys that are going to be really good. Eventually they just need, um, you know, they just need the time to, to continue to develop. And, um, especially when you consider, uh, you're going to have Juwan Morgan back as well. And, and Juwan Morgan is, uh, it played, I thought a very good game, 14 points, seven rebounds. I mean, you know, getting all those hustle plays as you mentioned, Andy. Yeah. I mean, if we think about, 
you know, uh, any other individual performances that, uh, you know, I, we haven't talked about Blackman. So, yeah, we, we've gone down this rabbit hole, it would seem. But um, of talking about guys, I mean, I thought he came out really strong. I think he had 10 points in the first eight minutes, something like that. Ended up with 17, hit the uh, hit a three toward the end and made a couple of his buckets toward the end. That was a huge stretch in the middle of the game when uh, he didn't score at all, had eight rebounds again. I kind of thoughts about about him certainly struggled defensively as we've as we've seen over the course of time but uh any kind of overall thoughts on his performance tonight on the heels of uh on the heels of what we all said was one of his better games uh earlier on yeah i thought that uh that he and johnson both came out kind of really confident and then i thought that they just lost that you know about midway through the first half i thought that whatever confidence they had just tor- was torpedoed um you know, so I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how that happened or what happened, but I think as the game slowed down a little bit and Wisconsin got their pace going, cause it was moving up and down pretty fast for the first 10 minutes. And then it just slowed to that methodical, uh, that like really slow, methodical Wisconsin pace. And it, and it kind of just, you know, tanked it. And, and I thought everybody kind of was affected by that. I thought Bryant was affected by it. I thought, Newkirk Blackman and Johnson all were. Uh, and I thought the only guys working hard were Morgan and, and Devontae Green when they were in there. Yeah, it was it, that stretch in the first half where things got a little bit ragged. It was one of those, I think I tweeted this out at the time. It was, you know, the game was for one of the first times that I can remember in recent IU Wisconsin history, the game was played at a pace that was uh, beneficial to IU. And yet IU could not convert shots in the lane to really take advantage of it. And Wisconsin was playing it up and down, took some quick shots and some, and some bad shots. Uh, and I'm not sure that IU, that might've been when IU was ahead in the beginning or when it was a close game. And at no point were they really able to make headway in terms of either extending the lead or, uh, or, or, you know, chipping away at Wisconsin's lead. And I thought that was a kind of a key turning point because it has been rare over the years that, you know they've been able to get Wisconsin to play a more up and down game, and and they had a moment to do that tonight, and were not able to, uh, not able to take advantage. Um, in terms of other, you know, I'm trying to find other things to really, uh, really hit on in this. Yeah, game. Jared's I, having some technical difficulties, so it's yeah. just the two of us left here yeah. without Dad running so, thing. I know this kid's, <laughs> it's going to go wild. Um, Inmates are running the asylum, folks. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, anything that Wisconsin did that was different, surprising to you? I, I, I didn't really think so, but in the way they attacked the game, I thought they, you know, tried to play through Hayes as they often do. Um, you know, he was only four of twelve from the floor. I uh, didn't really think other than he made two of those shots right away at the beginning, and, and otherwise yep. wasn't all that effective. But nope. uh, anything stand out from you about what they did? No, it was Wisconsin being Wisconsin. I mean, it was, you know, they got loose balls, they caused turnovers, they didn't give up anything easy defensively after about the first five or six minutes of the game. Um, you know, they moved the, they, they absolutely moved the ball really well on, on offense, uh, confused Indiana. I don't know how, but because you know exactly what's coming when you're playing Wisconsin, but they confused Indiana offensively to having to have Indiana's defense running around like crazy. And they just, they made the smart play repeatedly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It it just seems like the same thing. They always, uh, you know that that Wisconsin always beats teams with, and it's just it's the the exact same things you respect you expect. They move the ball, they make open shots, 
They play solid defense and don't give you anything easy and they slow the game down. And that's what they do. And that that's their formula. It's it it sounds really basic, but they do it really well. Yeah, it's it's funny. It kind of goes back to what I said before. It's like you know exactly what you're getting from them on a night in, night out basis, and they really don't deviate from that. And when things start to go wrong, they have something to fall back on. And I think that's what we've seen. Uh, has been a challenge for IU. So I'm going to do my best to do this from memory, which should be uh, a dangerous game for everyone. But uh, before we take a quick break, I want to give everybody a reminder of uh, why you should sign up for your free assembly call membership. Uh, some of the three reasons include uh, that it's quick and easy, which uh, you just go to assemblycall.com slash join, uh, enter your email address, and can be done within 15 seconds. That helps you get our best content, which includes our post-game emails uh, that will be out after uh, the game. You'll get that in the morning. Also, Six Banner Saturday, which uh, pulls together the biggest stories from IU over the course of the week. Uh, and it also gives you access to the uh, the chat and the, the forums that we have where you can uh, talk with other IU fans, uh, both after and between games, to uh, it, to kind of see what's going on, take the pulse of, uh, of everybody there. And, and the folks who have run both those chats and the forums have done an extremely good job this year. It's been a good, uh, you know, the chat has been around for a little while. The forums has been a good addition for us this year uh, as we look forward. So I think I did a fairly good job of actually remembering all of those. Uh, and so uh, we'll be back in just a minute. All right. You're listening to the assembly call. This is Andy Bottoms with Ryan Phillips talking about, uh, well, hopefully not talking too much more about IU's uh, 70 to 60 defeat to Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, Jared Morris is trying to be with us, but apparently his house is on fire or something. Because I don't. Just all of a sudden, <laughs> maybe he just doesn't want to talk about this game. And quite I, honestly, who could blame him? You know but, what? I'm having technical difficulties too, Andy. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those you. where like you pretend your cell phone's breaking up when you don't want to talk to somebody. I'm going through a tunnel. Everything's great. This is weird, but uh, yeah, we're gonna have to stop talking about it. I, you know, I I don't know that there's really uh, much of anything to to really hit on in this game that we haven't already. We talked about a couple of the individual performances. Uh, there were not very many. Uh, that I would say we walked away feeling great about uh, as we look forward to the future um, and uh, don't really want to give any Wisconsin any more credit than we already have. So, uh, you know, I guess one of the one of the next things to talk about as we look ahead to uh, the offseason, you know, it certainly seems like this team is going to be willing to play in the NIT should they get there. But I think, it, you know, touched on the coaching piece, but I think the, the player piece is is an interesting one. You know, everybody came into the season with the belief that Bryant, Ananobi, and James Blackman Jr. would all be gone at the end of the season, gone to the NBA. Um, you know, Jared and I have both kind of said, and when anybody's asked us, we're continuing with that belief um, just because it was the expectation heading into the season and, uh, you know, don't really know enough to, to say that that isn't the expectation now. So kind of sitting there at this point, at the end of the regular season, do you still see that as the case? Or do you feel like there's a, a case to be made and a chance that we would see guys like Bryant and Ananobi back in an IU uniform next season. Well, I think I think there's a chance both of them return. I, I think Bryant's probably uh, going to be leaning towards going out with Ananobi. You never know because of the injury, so that's really hard to predict. Without the injury, uh, I thought he was gone for sure. I, I don't know. It's going to depend on you know a lot of stuff that we won't be privy to about the nature of the injury, how severe it is, how long the recovery period is, what he's hearing from NBA people about, hey, you know what, go back and show us your legs okay before you come. Uh, Brian, I, I just, I, I think he regressed this year, so there's a course a chance that he comes back, uh, but I, I would think that he's still solidly in the, in the early second round discussion, um, and if he can show off uh, some versatile skills at the, at the combine, uh, remember, they can go into the combine and get 
advice now. It's it's a different situation. So this isn't he has to declare blindly. Uh, I expect him to declare and then at least go to the combine and see what the feedback is. I would expect the same from Ananobi, um, but there might be a better chance of Ananobi coming back because of the injury, um, which is sad because I think we all think he's an NBA talent. Uh, but you know, that's anytime you injure a knee and you're a basketball player, it's going to be a big deal. Um, I, what I want to know, Andy is I think Jared and I, you know, I'm on record saying what I think the dream scenario is for, for a new head coach. I'd like to know who yours is. Uh, I don't know. Jared has one. Jared seems to want to avoid discussing this topic, but I think people out there want to hear this. And can, can you hear me, by the way? Am I back? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the house you're isn't back. on fire. You're okay. So you're, I could have just stayed away and not had to address this topic head on is what you're saying. We, exactly. Yeah, you can leave I, look, again if you want. No, I, I, look, the, the point is, I don't have any problem addressing the topic. You know, it's all about timing. And if we start this conversation, it's a long involved one, you know, and it just can we give it the proper due on a post game show? And typically we haven't had the time to do it tonight. We're not really talking much about the game. So I suppose we well, can get into it a little bit. Let's if you talk want about to. who would be your dream. You could have. Any coach who is potentially available, so like not Roy Williams or Coach K or Bill Self, like you know, I'm not. The, oh who, my God, how great would it be if Coach K was here and Ryan had to do a post game show? Oh my God, <laughs> I man, hate that. There's I for would, a lot of reasons. I, I that would not be my dream, but if there was one at the top of the list, that would absolutely <laughs> be it. Just for hey, that. Okay, Just, but let's let's also remember this too, because there's this notion going around that Indiana has to, you know, again, if they move on from Tom Crean, and it, you know, it certainly seems likely that there will be that there will be a change. But we don't know that for sure, but there seems to be this notion that Indiana has to go get like one of the top ten coaches in the country for it to be a good move and a good hire. Like Indiana has to get, you know, Bill Self from Kansas or like some proven guy who's won a national championship. But look at all the successful coaches. Those people weren't who they are now sure. when they got hired. Part of no, Fred Glass's job is to, and I'm not identify. saying this to you, but I'm talking about all the people who I've got, who I've heard this from. It's to identify who that next guy may be, right? So, for example, you know, people have talked about Dane Fife, right? I love Dane Fife as a player, as a Hoosier, all of that, you know. I, and and to me, look, you know, maybe he is that next guy, right? He had experience at IPFW. Now he's coached under Tom Izzo for a while. You know, he's a guy who doesn't have the pedigree, isn't proven in any way, but could he potentially be the next great coach in college basketball? Maybe, but we don't know that yet until he gets a chance. And so all I'm saying is I, I think Indiana should go with someone who's a little bit more proven and has a few more skins on the wall than Dane Fife personally, but that's Fred Glass's job is to identify who that next guy is, just like Bob Knight was identified as the next great coach and certainly was when he came in. That's where you have to make a smart hire. So, you know, it doesn't ha now maybe you can get a guy who's more proven, like, say, a Chris Collins or a Chris Mack or an Archie Miller, somebody. And I'm just throwing out names here. I have no understanding of how likely it is. I'm not even endorsing them per se, but that's you know, you're going to be able to choose from that pool. But that's the thing is you don't say we're going to stick with the default just because I can't fathom how we could do better. The, the question is, are you where you want to be? And if the answer to that is no, then you close the door and you make a change. So, you know, to all those people who, who use that as the argument, well, how can we possibly get a coach who's better? Well, if you're satisfied with where things are, then fine. But if you want different, then we have to do something different. So just so punctuate that. So uh, okay, that, and that that was a great 
speech. You did an excellent <laughs> job, and I think you covered. I actually what, prepared it while I was gone. I wrote it okay. out. Line well, line. And that was good. And well, but are you going to answer my question or? Well, look, I, I think that this the scenario that you laid out in the big lead. If a guy like Billy Donovan wants to come, that would be unbelievable. That would be amazing. I think that would be great. I think if you look at kind of the when 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 you ask people who are potential candidates, right? There's a group of, of names that you hear: Archie Miller, Chris Holtman, Chris Mack. Um, I'm leaving one out that was obvious, but there's there's that group of people. Chris Collins from Northwestern. Greg Marshall gets thrown out. Well, let's let's move on, Greg Marshall, because that's well, just not going to happen. I'm just talking about who gets thrown out. Not what, the, what not. I'm saying is, I'm at the point now where if you gave if you said any of those guys, I'd be okay with it because I'm just ready for door number two, and I'm I'm actually. You know, I hope to see Tom Crean in a situation that's kind of a better fit for him now than Indiana is now. And so I can't I'm not saying I would pick any of those guys because I guarantee they will be better. I just think it's time for a new direction in the program. And all of those guys have proven enough to me that I'd be excited about that direction. So that's kind of where I stand. You're artfully punting on this question. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just I don't see a whole lot of separation from those guys, honestly, until I dig into it more. I haven't looked at it that much because we've been focused on this team. I, I so, agree. No, I mean, look, and what I wrote in that piece was that I, you should throw everything it has at Billy Donovan. I don't know if Billy Donovan is going to come. I don't know if he's interested. I have heard that he's, you know, sort of back channeling college guys with college connections because he's interested in possibly returning to college. So I said Indiana should throw everything they have at him. Um, I, I, there's a list of guys I don't want for sure. Um, if I had to pick among the I mean, I, I don't think you want to get a guy like Chris Collins or, or Steve Wojciechowski or any of those young up-and-comers because I think their heart's at Duke and they'll always go back to Duke whenever they get the opportunity. If you know, So I think that you've got to take somebody that clearly wants to be at Indiana long-term um, because that's what this program is. And, and, and it should be the final destination to whoever it is. I think Chris Collins has done a great job at Northwestern. I, I don't think he should come to Indiana, and I know a lot of people are really excited about that possibility. But as soon as Coach K were to call him and say, I'm retiring, I want you to take this job, he would leave. Uh, that's just the the reality of the situation. Um, so I, I don't want to go in that direction, but I think he's done an excellent job, and I think he's a good coach. Um, if, if you're talking about that group, I think Archie Miller probably is the highest upside of those guys. Then again, there's the danger that you're taking the – lesser talented brother uh in that situation i'm not sure that's maybe they turn out like the harbaugh brothers and they both turn out to be really good coaches with you know less attitude problems hopefully but um you know maybe that's that's it's a great situation but i think that what he's done at dayton is impressive uh he's not my first choice i my first choice is to shoot for the moon i Look, you're Indiana. No question. You have to you shoot. Got for the, the money, and, and a lot of people are like, "Well, you can't offer the job to too many people, or weakens it, or whatever." It's Indiana. It's always going to be Indiana. Yeah, you don't want to throw it around to everybody. Hey, but... I use offering scholarships to every top fifty recruit out there. We can <laughs> sure as hell offer the job to whoever we want. Thank you. Well, to be fair, every school offers pretty much every top fifty recruit. But no, it, it like, but I, but I agree. You throw money at Billy Donovan. You call up. You give uh, Brad Stevens isn't coming, but you give him a phone call, make him think about it. Um, you know, and, and and you go after other guys. I don't want an NBA guy necessarily, like a pure NBA guy. I, I think Fred Hoiberg is a lot of people will mention him as a potential. It's like that's Tom Crean 2.0. I mean, he's you know, a guy who has a really fun offense to watch, but his teams don't play defense. He's gone to the NBA and it's the same problem over again. So it's clearly a coach thing. I, you know, so there's uh, there's a lot of factors to consider, but it, you know, go with a guy who is 
successful and who's doing as much as he can with his little right now and see what you got because it's just time to move on and and it's it's just time for a different different look I so think. A, a few people have mentioned tony bennett in the chat and he's another guy that i would be interested in you would be yeah absolutely the, the guy's um, winning in the acc i, I mean he, he is coach here's what i would say about tony bennett first of all i'm not sure he ever will give IU a look because his sister was fired by the university. Um, and he's also... What? Do people hold grudges against a university? Because I, they, I, Does that happen? Don't get me started. Please do not get me started. I... Oh, man. My head is about to... I save, feel like... Save that I for the like, offseason? Or what? I feel like the Coach K talk would get Ryan less riled up than where you just tried Way to... Way less. <laughs> Way less. And like if Coach K was hired as our head coach, I would fly to Bloomington, get a get credentials for the press conference, walk up and slap him. The, and 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 what you're where the road you're going down is less offensive, is is more offensive to me. Um, so no, I I think Tony Bennett. There's something about his system people have to understand. His mover blocker offense can be the most painful thing to watch on the planet when it's not run right and it's not run well and you need extremely smart players to run it that would be no jared you're more painful than the offense we've seen when it's not yes. run well yes it's not even close and let me let me continue here uh he needs players who are extremely smart i i had to run the mover blocker offense i know a little bit about it. i watched the old dick bennett videos that were like vhs from like 1993 when tony bennett was his leading scorer so i well, know now what you're just offense. showing your age but that's neither here nor there. yeah <laughs> so i know what this offense what that offense is and it is a slow down slow the tempo you know whatever he had some athletic players last year and they ran up and down the floor some but that's not what he wants to do. Uh, I, I agree that he's a phenomenal defensive coach. The pack line defense uh, that he runs is extremely effective. Uh, he's winning the ACC. You're right. Uh, the offense, though, is so difficult to run that if you get a group of players who just don't mesh in it, it's going to sink your program for a few years. He's done a great job getting the right guys at Virginia with the kind of talent he would have to recruit to win consistently at Indiana. I'm not sure they would be able to run the offense because it's the kind of thing where they have to give up a lot to run that offense. And so you're not going to get five-star guys. You're not going to get top-tier guys. Maybe maybe that's okay, and maybe you can do it consistently. Um, but he is a very good coach at what he does. I just don't know if it would fit at Indiana. That's, that's I guess, my point. I think he'd fit I mean, great I know. at Wisconsin. Getting, you know, getting some top-four seeds, consistently competing in my conference. I'm just saying, like, at this point, I realize... I think he's a good coach. Can... I'm just not sure it would, it would fit uh, with... In, with sort of Indiana maybe not but he's in that group of guys that that sure. I think would be interesting to discuss well, so I, I think yeah I mean I think he would be I, I guess what I would say to him in addition to what Ryan said is you know one of the knocks on Crean has been you haven't gotten as far as you would be expected to in the postseason and that's kind of the same argument for for Bennett yeah. at this point I, I you know if I would also turned down Indiana which I think which I think that days. which I think that Ryan asked me before I I guess I would lean toward I don't know how feasible it is to get Sean Miller from Arizona. That seems fairly unlikely, yeah. but I would certainly, uh, you know, back the truck up and see what you can get him to come. And I think Archie Miller is is a good choice. I think it, the, one of the reasons I say that is it was a couple years ago. I think it was two years ago. Um, they had they were down to they had injuries. I think they were down to maybe six scholarship players, and they finished, uh, you know, twenty seven and nine. Got to the third round. You know, got to the Sweet Sixteen. Lost to Oklahoma. 
Um, but I mean, they, they had, I'm just looking at the Ken Palm page now. I mean, they had multiple guys playing 80% of the available minutes, actually five guys played at least 70% of the minutes. And I think one of the things that we talk about with Kareem so much is the adaptability to the personnel and the team strengths and weaknesses and in-game adjustments and all those kinds of things. And I think if you want to look for somebody who has proven to be able to, to do some different things when faced with various roster challenges, uh, and, and struggles, I think Archie Miller has done a good job of being able to overcome those. Uh, at Dayton, and I think you know clearly has a, a system and a way that you know he believes in playing from you know coaching under his brother for a little while and uh, some of his other experiences in coaching. So I guess those would be uh, the guys that that I would lean toward of the pool of people who seem like feasible candidates. But you know that that pool might get bigger or more refined as we go, and I think then it maybe makes sense to you know kind of talk more playing you know different guys against one another. But I guess if I had to you know kind of pick. Of, of who I think is or could be available, then I think those are guys that, uh, or I would I would lean toward. So depressing to be talking about this. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, how hopeful. Remember the first two years of the show, how hopeful we were and how positive things seemed. You I know, mean, that was it, mostly you, to be fair. I don't know that. It no, was, you know. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I've been two a years, sad sack since day one. Those man. first two years know. of the show were exciting. They were filled with exciting moments. Like we all thought Indiana was on the verge of something. And I think that's what, you know, the last two months of last year brought all those feelings back. And then, you know, you have the positive start to this season. It really felt like Indiana was on track to where we thought we were going. I was just reflecting on, you know, to be sitting here now at the end of this Big Ten season. And I hate that we're sitting here on a post game show. I never wanted us to spend time on a post game show speculating about coaches. I always thought that would be a waste of time. And to a certain extent, I kind of think it is a waste of time. And yet I'm sitting here trying to think about where else do we go. But think about how much is up in the air right now for this program. You know, we don't even really know if Indiana accepts the, an NIT bid, which we expect that they'll get and we expect that they'll accept. Are we sure we know who will be coaching the NIT games? You know, which kind of leads to some uncertainty there. You know, do we really feel like we have a good grasp on who will be back, who won't be next year? So it's almost one of those things like it just so much feels up in the air that it does kind of feel like we have two options, which is to wallow in another IU Wisconsin loss, which doesn't seem pleasant for anybody or, you know, kind of fill time like we are talking about this and not even, you know, kind of using the names of these coaches as more, you know, kind of prisms through which we view what we want Indiana basketball to look like. Because, Ryan, I thought your description of Tony Bennett was really was good. And that's relevant to think about because, and the, the items that you brought up, Andy, and I guess that's the question is what do we want Indiana basketball to be, right? Like we all know what the standard is, but what do we think is the right way to get there? And what are we willing to live with to get there? You know, cause I mean, Andy, you kind of joked earlier, uh, you know, like what does Indiana basketball stand for? You know, and if I really, you know, I think on court, we've been all over the place, but I think what Indiana basketball has always stood for is, you know, even if, you know, it was, hypocritical at times considering who it came from but trying to do things the right way and certainly indiana did things the right way ethically you know from a recruiting standpoint and academics even if you know people didn't always treat other people well so you can split hairs there but you know doing the right things ethically recruiting the right way caring about academics you know trying to field a program with as good a character as you can possibly have i think those things have always been important to indiana fans and yet we also have these ideals of wanting to win and wanting to be among the nation's elite. And I'm still silly enough to think that you can marry those two and do them. And I don't want to compromise those things. I mean, Ryan, do you think that that's a realistic viewpoint for Indiana fans to have? Can we have our cake and have all the program things and also win at the level? Or is there something in those expectations that's holding Indiana back over these last 20 to 25 years? 
No, I think that, that you can have that. Uh, I do think it needs to be a special person that comes in and combines those things. I mean, you, you can't, not everyone's going to be able to do that. Not everyone's going to be able to live up to those expectations. I mean, if you think about it, you know, how important are those things to you? You know, how important are academics versus uh, versus winning? You know, it, what if we were at 80% of what we get academics wise right now with the current program, but we're going to the final four? I mean, is that okay with you? You know, that maybe not everybody's graduating and, you know, we're not screwing up the APR, but maybe not everyone's graduating. Maybe not everyone's getting into a master's program. Not everybody is doing X, Y, or Z, but you happen to be going to final fours. Would the fan base accept that? I I think, I think the answer is yes. I think a lot of those warts go away if you're winning consistently. Um, You know, what if a, a player was getting kicked off every two years for something stupid, but again, you're winning and you're going to Final Fours. Are you willing to take those risks? Are you willing to degrade the program in that way? Now, Look at what's happened at Kansas this year, for an example? I mean, you know, and that's the thing is that it tends to happen at most places that win consistently. You take chances on guys, um, but coaches are given that leeway uh, when they're winning to do stuff like that. Um, and Crean hasn't. You know, he's certainly learned some lessons from some recruiting mistakes early, and he hasn't taken as many chances. And certainly with kids that he might have been able to get recruiting wise, where you might have had to step over a line, he hasn't. And I commend him for that because that has been and is important to Indiana fans. And I think it should be. And I look, I am willing if it means that, you know, we can't be the elite of the elite and win and, you know, compete for a final four every year. I think those standards are important. But I do think, I mean, I just, the the thing, the issue that I have with the current, you know, direction is I think with the players that we've had doing things well academically, you know, being good off the court, all of those things, I don't even think we're maximizing that potential. And that's the frustration. I would agree. I think that, and I think that's a big issue. That's a huge issue for this program is, is not reaching the, the level that it needs to be at. And, uh, you know, it's also consistency. There's no consistency with this program. And, And, the consistency that it does have is bad. I mean, you know, like we're talking about how you can replay any of these Wisconsin games. That's consistency, but it's not a good consistency. So I think that's, uh, you know, that that's something that has to be addressed. And, um, I, I, you know, it's hard to talk about. Like, this is not something we want to talk about. And I was giving Jared, you know, guff earlier for for not addressing the topic but I mean I think it's in after a game like this this is when you do talk about it um you know because it needs to be out there it needs to be open it needs to be understood that you know this isn't some unspoken thing that's that's going to be whispered about this is going to be yelled from rooftops after this one and, and after this performance this year and you know the problem with bringing Crean back is that the first even if he the, the team turns things around and, and you know has enough talent next year the first time there's a bad loss and everybody has bad losses every year there's at least one the first time there's a bad loss the chorus is going to start again and it's 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 going to be a regressive trait for the program. It's going to hold the program back if that happens. And you can't do that anymore. Not at this point when we've come so far to have expectations back to where they're supposed to be. You can't hold the program back. And and that's why I think there needs to be a change. Andy. You're muted, Andy. Yeah, he's clearly muted and, I mean, he's making great points. I can read his I'm lips. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm look at that. I wish I could read lips because I would just absolutely. Uh, yep. 
Oh, he's, he's still muted and he's still, still talking. Muted. So I <laughs> oh, apparently I, I thought I unmuted and then remuted. Whatever. Nope. nope. Um, well, the nope. irony is I don't really I'm have sure anything to add to what you guys were saying. So they're really uh, no, I, I honestly don't know that I would add anything to what you said. I mean, I think that the frustrations are are similar from my my standpoint. And it is uh, I was actually just sitting here thinking it's just so weird to be sitting here. Uh, for all the times we've we've really tried not to enter this territory, I know you you mentioned that too, Jared. Like that we've are spending this much time talking about this, talking about the season as if it's over, even though they're going to likely play another game uh, or however many you know they might win in the NIT. It's just a uh, just kind of a weird uh, weird scenario all the way around, but in many ways a fitting end to what the season has become. Yeah, you know, and and look. Uh, Hoosier Twan in our chat, you know, has been a really loyal member of our chat, and we appreciate, you know, all of his activity in there. And and he's, you know, kind of banging the drum for Tom Crean. Even, you know, said you guys are selling out so bad. And, and all I would say about that is this: like, I think you reach a certain point, you know, with any program, right? Any basketball program, what stays with a basketball program? Because coaches will come and go, even if they're there for 20, 30 years. Coaches come and go. Players come and go. Uniforms come and go. You know, Sponsors come and go. So many things change. What stays are the fans. And it is up to the fans of a program to carry the mantle and uphold the traditions and uphold the standards from year to year and from decade to decade. That is the responsibility of fans, and especially fans of a college program where there is so much history there and such a community feeling. Like if we're going to have standards for Indiana basketball, the people who uphold those standards are the fans. Those are the people who hold administrations accountable and hold coaches accountable are the fans. And I just think this is an important point, you know, to Hoosier Twan and to everybody who who feels similarly, this is an important fork in the road for Indiana right now. And you can say, again, I'm satisfied with where things are and let's keep going forward. And maybe your opinion is that Tom Crean is on the cusp and can get Indiana to that next level. And I can't talk you out of your opinion. I can simply point to the last four years and say that I don't see the evidence there. So I feel like you are kind of having hope against the evidence that something will happen that we haven't seen. And if the standard of Indiana basketball is what we all say it is, banners and you know top four finishes in the Big Ten every year and, and competing for the championship most years and making NCAA tournaments, well, you know, we're now going to have missed the NCAA tournament two out of four years, had a number 10 seed the other year, uh, weren't anywhere close to competing for a Big Ten title in three of those four years. And that that can't be good enough for my Indiana basketball and for most Indiana fans that I know. And if that is the case, then as fans, to me, the only way that you kind of sell out is if you're willing to accept less because you get something in return. And that's not what's happening here. I mean, you know, I think we're all saying, we expect more and there's nothing certain or even comfortable about change, but we're ready to endure that and embrace that because there hasn't been anything certain or comfortable about where we've been. And that's how I see it. I think that's how, how these guys see it. And please, if, if you disagree, you know, tweet us, let us know in the chat exactly as you have. This isn't something where dissenting opinions aren't important uh, or respected. Um, but I just I just want you to know that's the perspective that we're coming at this from. And I don't think it's one of, of selling out or bailing on the program. Quite the contrary. I think it's holding the program accountable to standards that it very much can and should live up to. Well, I think the other thing that I would add to that and before we move on and, and probably wrap up would be I think spoken like a bracketologist who has yeah. lots of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up, fellas. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, I, no more speeches, the, Jared. Play the music like at the award show. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I, what I would say is, 
if if we look back at where we were a season ago and where things are now and how we the fan base in general or whatever i mean i i tend to think that we have a relatively good we might not have a relatively good read on the team at times but i do feel like based on the people that we interact with uh i do feel like we have a pretty good read on the fan base um i'm assuming you guys would would agree with that and i think when things are how it feels like they are right now i don't know how you rebound from that because even if even if next year bounce back to what last year was this year is always going to be in people's mind and you're waiting for the bottom to drop out and we saw how quickly people got away from that and people are going to be reluctant to get back on so whether we're right or wrong in in believing that i do think that's a sentiment that is widely held by the fan base and you know i think it was even a couple years ago when this was happening with uh with Crean and i think it was gary parish on on one of the cbs college basketball podcasts said you know once you're on the hot seat you're never really off um, and you're not going to win these people back over. And, and I think we've seen that. I mean, if, if anything from these last two seasons, we've seen how tenuous the support is for Crean, which I guess maybe on some level people might say is unfortunate. Um, but I, I just don't know how you rebound from it. And if you continue down the path that you're going, you might have those highs, but I think in the back of people's minds is always going to be the same doubts that they have now. And as you sit as a fan and think about it, what erases those doubts for you going forward as you start to think about it? And I don't really see that answer coming based on what we've watched so far. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's. Uh, we need to go to last call, fellas. So we will get to that next. Deliver some final thoughts. Uh, last call, as always, brought to us by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington, where you get ten percent off your food during Indiana basketball games. I hope that you've taken advantage of that. If not, you may have one more opportunity in the NIT to do so. I know our good buddy Brian Tonsoni was there uh, tonight, took advantage of the 10% discount. He let me know. Uh, so go check out Yogi's. Let him know that the assembly call sent you, and then hang around after the game for the assembly call IU postgame show as Yogi's uh, broadcasts it there uh, live in the restaurant, the video, the audio. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we have a few more uh, victorious episodes of the Assembly Call, and Indiana gets into the NIT and can. Hey, if you're going to play games, let's go win them. You know, let's let's do something with them. Uh, and if there are those games, go check them out at Yogi's. Get your 10 percent off uh, during the games. All right, last call coming up next. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU post-game show, uh, nominally a post-game show anyway. I suppose we, we did talk a little bit about Indiana-Wisconsin. The Hoosiers fall 70-60 to 60 to Wisconsin, uh, ending their Big Ten tournament run, as it were. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, getting ready to wrap up uh, with some final thoughts on last call. And Ryan, you mentioned in the chat, and I kind of mentioned this in passing earlier, You know, the story broke while we've been on here doing the show about a fan altercation between Tom Crean. I think the guy, it was a Maryland fan, yelled at Crean something like, you ruined the program, uh, which I think all three of us agree wholeheartedly is totally ridiculous. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's just a jackass thing for a fan to say. I don't think Crean responded. I think he kind of stared him down. Um, but not only is that wrong, it's just mean, and there's really, there's no place for that. Um, yeah. so I think I'm going to jump in and just do my last call right away because, quite frankly, it has to do with this, and I don't want to you know, wait five minutes and have people forget about it. Um, be classy, Indiana fans. Just I, and whether this guy was an Indiana fan or not, I mean, people are saying he had a Maryland jacket on. Who knows? Clearly, there was some connection to IU because why would a Maryland fan be yelling about Crean ruining the program? Whatever. Um, be classy. Don't 
we we've asked this before of people you know don't harass a guy's family don't make personal attacks the guy has been here for nine years he's done his best he's worked really hard there was no question about his work ethic he's worked very hard he hasn't taken this job for granted he just has not been successful to the level that we've wanted this should be a handshake and a pat on the back and a okay uh, good luck and, and we'll root for you wherever you go kind of thing this should not be acrimonious it should not be attacking someone's character we've had one coach where that should happen and that was kelvin sampson he's the one guy that you know you can be super angry about the way he you know treated this program um tom green has been the biggest cheerleader for indiana basketball since he took the job so you know what be classy about it. Uh, he's a good guy. He's not a bad person. He didn't screw this program over. He rebuilt it as to the best of his ability. And now we just think it's time to move on to somebody else to take the next step. It doesn't need to be an angry situation where you kick the guy out the door. Uh, we saw how that turned out when it, when Indiana fans, a, a large section of them did that to Mike Davis. And now they all regret it because Mike Davis is one of the nicest, classiest guys in sports and Indiana looked horrible for that. And we don't want to make this program look bad. Number one, because that's not who we are. And number two, because it's going to make any coach who winds up coming here, second guess coming here. If the fans are going to be that way to, to their, the guy who's hired as their coach. So um, I would just advise everybody be classy about this. Thank the man for his service. If he is indeed gone and, you know, move on to the next thing. Uh, that's all I'd say. And, and this incident, I think, brings that up. Yeah. Uh, Andy, last call. Yeah, my only, I share this with you guys in the chat, it, not excusing what the guy said, but I, I believe that's what Crean was yelling at. And I cannot remember the guy's name who was an assistant at Michigan at the time when Meyer, I won the Big Ten. Um, yeah, Jeff Meyer, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it, also it, the guy. So I don't know if, I don't know if the Maryland fan was like trying to be funny ironic whatever or whatever the scenario was like i said doesn't excuse it but a theory and at before least that he said you're a horrible coach so i mean you know so maybe he was trying to quote it but he also threw in an insult yeah. i mean you know it's you know so yeah i don't know it just seems silly particularly if it's not an IE fan but whatever um i i guess my I, last comments are maybe a little bit similar along those lines I, you know i think we've been frustrated by this team over the course of the season over the course of this game uh you know, I ultimately just want the best for these kids. And I think Tom Crean certainly has their best interest at heart uh, and has done, you know, nothing wrong from that perspective because there are good kids on this team. And we talked about some of them as we started to look ahead to next year uh, and really, you know, want those guys to to experience that success again and, and, and be able to help them grow and move this program forward. There's some really interesting pieces there. Um, I don't know that it's a, you know, going to would be a star laden team in any, uh, in any scenario, I guess maybe it depends on who comes back as we've kind of talked about, but, um, you know, just want better for these, for these guys from a result standpoint, from a, uh, on court performance standpoint, because it is very frustrating and certainly some of the burden for the way things have turned out, uh, absolutely falls on them for, uh, you know, not executing at, at times, but I, you know, just want to see some of these guys, the Juwan Morgans, the Devontae Greens, the Deron Davises, Robert Johnson, just want to see these guys be able to to build and really come together because you see in flashes that the pieces are there and maybe a new coach is the way to do that. And maybe it won't make any difference at all. Um, but I really, you know, just want to see the best for, for those guys because they've really, you know, given a lot this year. Um, and I think, 
for the most part, we wouldn't say that effort has been uh, the problem. It's been the execution. And, uh, you know, tonight was a, a great example of that, unfortunately. And uh, in many ways, a microcosm of the season that uh, that has been so frustrating for all of us. And so, you know, as we think about looking forward, I, you know, hope all those guys are, are able to, you know, stick around, see this through whatever happens uh, and, and really, you know, be able to, to build on something and experience uh, all that IU has to offer and all that IU basketball has to offer going forward. Yeah, you know, and Missy Lou in our chat has made a couple of interesting points, too, where she said, you know, I come back to the fact that he's been paid a king's ransom to do his job. No, I don't feel like he needs to be thanked for his service like he is some sort of hero. Um, and I agree with that. I, mean, I don't think he needs to, you know, receive kind of undue thanks or like he's done something extraordinary. But I also think that, you know, just because someone makes a lot of money to do a job, I do think it's still warranted to express appreciation for the job that they've done if you feel they've done a good job. It's about respect. Yeah, and and to express express gratitude and respect. I, I agree with you. And I think that's where we've always fallen um, on that. And that's, you know, that's why I wrote what I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago on the blog that I felt you know, with all the uncertainty swirling before the Northwestern game, hey, you know, let's let's give the coaches an ovation now because I I firmly believe that at some point, you know, if if you know if Tom Crean is not the coach at Indiana next year, I think at some point he'll come back to Simon Scott Assembly Hall. I think he'll get a warm ovation because I think uh, with a little bit of time, I think you know some of the frustration now um, will will you know be removed a little bit. Um, and, and so why, why wait for that? But I think, you know, looking at what Tom Crean has done, what I've appreciated is the fact that he's come in and really tried to understand, you know, what kind of program Indiana fans like to have and, and really tried to empathize with Indiana fans and see what was important, you know, and a lot of those things are naturally important to him academics and, and having, you know, trying to really be a molder of young men, as opposed to just a factory for basketball players, you know, and you know, and, and so I've always appreciated those things, but obviously the results haven't been what we've expected and that's why we're here. And so ultimately, you know, I just kind of end this, this big 10 season with a, a lot of disappointment and even just a little bit of a, a twinge of sadness and sadness, maybe too plaintive and, and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit too much of a word, too strong of a word there, but just because of the unfulfilled expectations. We saw what this team could be uh, against North Carolina and Kansas when they were healthy. Obviously, they weren't healthy like that again in Big Ten play, but we saw flashes of what they could be against Michigan State, against Iowa, and they just weren't able to do it with any level of consistency. And this, so this will forever go down as a season of unfulfilled expectations, um, of frustrating fundamental errors, and so it's always disappointing to see an Indiana season end, uh, at least the regular season. Um, but I think for a lot of Indiana fans, it, this is not a, a team that we ended up really looking forward to watching play, not because we didn't like the guys, but just because of the frustration of their style of play uh, and their difficulty to play with any level of consistency. And so that is how we will wrap up uh, this regular season. Obviously, if Indiana has any more games in the postseason, we will be here right afterwards to talk about those games. I know someone had asked in the chat if we'll be doing you know, wrap-up episode and episodes if something happens with the coaching position. Absolutely. We'll be doing shows on the Assembly Call. I'll obviously be hosting shows with Alex on Podcast on the Brink. We'll be doing our radio show. So this is shaping up to be an off-season with no shortage of topics to discuss and we will be here as often as we can to uh, help lead that discussion um, and participate in it with you. And we appreciate you being here. Hey, just just one quick thing we'll not be yeah. doing. I'm not doing NIT bracketology. I have to draw the line somewhere, and I'm not that much of a degenerate. How lazy, yet, how at lazy least. are you? 
Seriously. <laughs> Do it for the fans, Andy. Think of the I, fans. Yeah. I can't. I feel like I'd really have to re-examine a lot of things in my life if I if I got to that point. So I'm gonna think uh, about gonna, it. If you do it, and I'm gonna take a hard pass. If you do it, like let's say that your NCAA tournament bracket just doesn't quite come out as you want it this year, and you drop to like number two in bracket matrix, then we can always say you're number one in NIT if you're the only person doing it. Uh, but then you got to find somebody to measure if you're doing that. There are people who put like NIT projections in their in their brackets as like a way of showing who the next teams out are. So I would not be completely alone. I'm, there may only be one guy who does women's bracketology. I only see the same guy that ESPN has mentioned in that like every time. So that might be a you know potential. Uh, fallback spot for me if I do need to uh, expand or do something different. But uh, yeah, not not doing that at this point. Um, although, you know, not a lot of bids have been taken up by, you know, major conference teams who have, lo- you know, won their regular season and lost out. But uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll see. So, you know, first uh, NIT postgame show could be, you know, really a, a banner moment for for this show. It it'll certainly be new. I really that didn't is. even mean to use banner moment in that scenario, given <laughs> what we do, but it just just kind of slipped out. And now I actually feel bad about funny. it. So <laughs> should we like should we call it like a plaque moment if it's if it's the nit i mean i, I guess we, we would hang another banner do, do we still have the banner hanging for the nit championship from uh, i don't know when was that I, that Seven? one might have that was at a time when the remember. nit meant meant something different than it More does, than it does now. so now. even yeah. if it even if it is up i don't think that's a apt comparison so yeah i'm not i'm not really sure maybe like participation ribbon moment Something like that. Yeah. Trophy case, wooden plaque moment. So we'll come up with something. We'll see if, if Hoosier Proud's cool with it. Lock this away and never show it to anyone <laughs> moment. Yeah, something like that. Clearly, yeah. this show has just gone right off the rails. It's hey, it's not as bad as the one where we talked about cereal for a half hour. So I thought that was one of our best shows. I, I, <laughs> clearly, the fan feedback was the same. It's yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. And on that note, we will end this episode and talk to you the next time Indiana plays another game or there's big news. So stay tuned. Uh, Talk to y'all soon. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.